0: Principal Asset Management SM is a trade name of Principal Global Investors, LLC.
1: Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com BusinessGoldCard.
2: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Odd Lots podcast. I'm Tracy Alloway.
0: And I'm Joe Weisenthal.
2: Joe, have you ever watched something called Midnight Madness?
0: I cannot say that reasonably.
2: Okay, it's uh, this movie from I think it came out in 1980. And it's about this group of college students. And they go on an all night scavenger hunt slash puzzle solving competition. And they go all around LA having these sort of wacky adventures while they compete to win the ultimate midnight madness prize. That doesn't ring a bell?
0: It doesn't ring a bell, but it sounds amazing because, A, an 80s movie, B, a scavenger hunt with a bunch of puzzles, and C, going around (laughs) L.A., one of my favorite cities. So I feel like I have to watch this movie right away.
2: Okay, well, I'll give you a little bit of a preview. Uh, Take a listen to this. Midnight Madness, the ultimate game that requires sophisticated strategy. (laughs) And rigorous
1: self-control.
2: Midnight Madness, it's about... I'm totally going to have that Midnight Madness song stuck in my head now. I have
0: to watch that movie now.
2: You totally should. Okay. But there's a reason why I'm bringing it up, because uh, on this very special episode of the Odd Lots podcast, we are going to talk all about a variation of Midnight Madness, a very special variation.
0: So are people actually doing uh, scavenger hunts around L.A.?
2: Uh, Yeah, some people definitely are doing scavenger hunts around L.A., but they're doing scavenger hunts across other uh, U.S. cities and for the first time ever, a scavenger hunt in London. So let me just back up for one second. Midnight Madness is the scavenger hunt slash puzzle solving competition that became a really big thing on Wall Street um, just after the financial crisis. It was sponsored by a bunch of big banks, big financial institutions. And you had a lot of those financial institutions putting forth teams of, you know, quants and traders all competing in the name of charity to try to win this Midnight Madness event. Now, for many years, it was held in New York. And in 2018, for the first time ever, it was held in London. And Joe, I'm really happy to say I was able to compete in Midnight Madness. And it was a very, very cool experience.
0: I'm already so jealous and I haven't even (laughs) heard your description of it. It's killing me.
2: All right. So I'm going to tell you all about it. You will feel like you are there. uh, But before we do that, have a listen to what Alicia Wiesel had to say about it. He is the chief information officer over at Goldman Sachs. And he's also a longtime participant in Midnight Madness and also one of the first organizers of it.
1: So I, I started, I rebooted Midnight Madness um, in 2012. <clears throat> but the important thing to realize is the movie Midnight Madness spawned a, an entire following of puzzle hunts, of which Midnight Madness New York was only one. <clears throat> there were um, there were all sorts of things in the Bay Area. Various college campuses have them. MIT has a mystery hunt. Um, so it's the the phenomena of puzzle hunt, I believe, really took off with the Midnight Madness movie. And in the 90s, two college students at Columbia, Dan Michelson and Matt Labowitz, really Matt Labowitz was the, the prime mover along with Dan, they decided to host their own Midnight Madness in New York for their friends. They did it really on a shoestring budget. It was offered for free for their friends. I played all the way through the rest of the series. And then finally, in I think it was 2008, Midnight Madness 10 was the last of that series of the for free, just for fun, um, Midnight Madnesses that Matt and Dan orchestrated. I missed it when it went away quite a lot. And in 2012, there was a couple of things happening. I wanted to do something different for my 40th birthday. I was looking for a way to fundraise for the nonprofit that I was involved with. And I was very much missing Midnight Madness and this incredible form of creative expression. And uh, I just decided to put them all together.
2: So that was Alicia talking about how he started the current round of Midnight Madness. And I got to say, Joe, you know, you think all night scavenger hunt, but this is a scavenger hunt on a whole nother level. The amount of organization that has gone into these events is absolutely incredible.
0: Yeah. And I have to imagine, given given the participants, banks, as you said, traders and quants, and the people who originated it. I'm guessing this is kind of a uh, next level scavenger hunt in terms of the uh, the brain power required to succeed.
2: Oh my gosh. Okay, so first of all, there's a lot of physical energy involved cuz you are actually running around in this case the city of London, but yeah, the amount of bra- brain power that's needed to complete these puzzles is off the charts, I would say. So You know, I mentioned that this was the first time it was happening in London. Uh, I was part of a Goldman Sachs team. Uh, We had about, I think it was 10 people in the end, uh, eight girls, three guys, and we gathered one Saturday afternoon around 7 p.m. on Saturday in the city of London. Uh, So we gather after all this preparation, and I, I really have to stress, we worked so hard To get ready for this event, uh, everyone on our team bought little scooters that we would be able to take around London. I know you love scooters, Joe. I do. We had backpacks filled with supplies like energy bars, uh, lots of Red Bull, things that we thought might be useful on the evening. And finally, we all meet up at 7 p.m. in the city of London, a place called Banking Hall. And um, we sit down, we meet each other for the first time ever, the team. My team was called the Sec Bombs, Joe, and you can laugh at that if you want. Um, And we sit down and we listen to this guy get up on stage and uh, he starts giving a speech.
1: For you this evening, all that matters is that I am the president of the Royal Society and I have a challenge for you. The biggest prize eludes you. Or it could be right in front of you, and you wouldn't even know it. The holy grail of Western scientific innovation. A cure for baldness.
0: Wait, so you had to cure baldness on your scavenger hunt?
2: Yeah, yeah, we did actually. We had to find a cure for baldness. And basically what it it involved is you... um, You had to solve a puzzle that would lead you on to another location. And then at that location, you'd find another puzzle and so on and so forth. And you were basically going around London collecting ingredients that would eventually become the basis for this cure for baldness. And you won Midnight Madness if you were able to deliver the cure to the president of the Royal Society and get a certificate before anyone else actually did that and crossed the finish line. So that was the ultimate objective. So what are the rules? So I have to be honest, there aren't that many. Uh, The big one is no private form of motorized transport. So you can't hire your own cab or Uber, or take your own car and drive around London. Uh, You are, however, allowed to have non-motorized transport, which is why we had little scooters. And I think at at some point, uh, another one of the teams had bikes. And then the other big rule is you're not allowed to tamper with any of the clues. So. If you go into another location that has a big puzzle and you're the first team that makes it there, you're not allowed to start tampering with that puzzle and try to... That um, makes sense. Yeah. You can't wreck it for the people behind you. Yeah. Although that said, what you can do is you can leave false clues for the other teams, uh, which is something that did actually happen that (laughs) evening. So it's complicated and it's involved and uh, it started at 7 p.m. and it goes all freaking night.
0: Okay, so what did you do once you got the riddle?
2: Okay, so we had our mission, right? Uh, We had the president of the Royal Society say we need to find the cure for baldness. And we sat down with our first puzzle. We're with all these other teams in this banking hall, and we're trying to figure out what the next location of the evening is.
1: So the secret order of Thoth requests the pleasure of your company at 11, it departs at 11 p.m., ec 3 N 4
2: dt does that make any sense to you, Joe? I think I would just quit
0: at this point. I, I'm already <laughs> so discouraged. I know, I, honestly, I would just be like, you know what, I'm going home.
2: Yeah, so um, th- there were moments that evening where I was certainly tempted to quit. Uh, but let me try to explain to you how it works. So the first puzzle that we got was this sheet filled with these sort of miss matched words. Um, So it would say things like bacon baby to uh, Posh Spice. Eventually, we figured out that those were the names of tube stations. So Posh Spice was Victoria Station in London. And if you matched all these things up on top of a tube map, eventually, you would spell out certain letters. And the letters that you spelled out were National Car Park, Great Eastern Street. So it was N-C-P-G-E-S. And that was the first clue to the first location of the evening. You see how involved this is, Joe?
0: Like I said, I think even after you explained that to me, even I think I would just be so discouraged uh, that I would probably give up here. But okay, I I wouldn't because it sounds fun. So what happened next?
2: All right. So. We're off on our little scooters to the National Car Park at Great Eastern Street. And remember, this is an immersive scavenger hunt experience. So there are all these actors who are hired to help you in, uh, in the evening. So when we arrived at this car park, we were greeted by a bunch of guys wearing ski masks, and they take us up to the top of this big building to meet their boss. So I hear you're looking for something that I've got. Am I right? Yeah, we are. Okay. So I don't give my stuff to just anyone. You've got to show me that you're worth it. So
1: I've set you a few puzzles.
2: So, Joe, I, I don't know if you remember this, but at one point in the evening, I uh, sent you a picture of a giant chessboard.
0: Yeah, I remember that. And I, while you were out and you are like, Joe, can you, first of all, is that that's probably cheating, right? No, actually, like you're probably not supposed to phone a friend. Oh, you can phone a friend. Yeah,
2: you. I mean,
0: I just want to say I was really disappointed that I couldn't help you that night because I know you're like, oh, my friend Joe, he would know this because it's a chessboard, and I, <laughs> normally I'd be like, yes, this is the one thing I can make a contribution on. And even that photo of a chessboard that you sent me was completely no help, or I had no insight at all into what it symbolized
2: yeah i gotta say i was disappointed joe because you were my uh my first stop when it comes to all chess related questions and i got no help from you but that's okay okay we figured it out eventually so there's this big chess board and you have to figure out what the chessboard has to do with the goal of that particular activity and the goal of that activity was you had to get through this room that was filled with laser beams to get to a safe that was on the wall so that you could open the safe and get the next clue. Uh, I'll let a member of my team, Natasha, explain exactly what she had to do once she got inside this room. What's it like inside the room, Natasha? (gasps) It's nerve wracking. Okay. What do you what do you
1: actually have to do? You have
2: to basically pretend it's a chessboard. Yeah. And you have to place your feet very carefully. Okay.
1: Thinking you're that you're going to get caught.
2: Ah uh, yeah, exactly. And also I'm small and they have you have laser beams on the walls. Okay. And uh, you have to duck. <laughs> oh my god. So creep
1: up until you get
2: to the picture. Right? Exactly. Right. So basically you had to figure out that the chessboard contained the key to getting through this room. So if you followed the pattern that was on the chessboard, followed it exactly in this room, you could get through it without setting off any alarms or getting caught by laser beams.
0: It kind of sounds like one of that scene in like Mission Impossible or something (laughs) like that, where Tom Cruise is trying to perfectly get into a room and out without uh, hitting off all kinds of uh, sensors and alerts.
2: Yeah, slightly less glamorous, I would say, but it did have an element of that.
1: As a leading real estate manager, Principal Asset Management harnesses the power of a 360-degree perspective, delivering local insights and global expertise across public and private equity and debt. Our experienced teams are uniquely positioned to uncover compelling opportunities in today's market, giving our clients an exclusive advantage. Principal Asset Management actively invested. Learn more at principalam.com. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Principal Asset Management SM is a trade name of Principal Global Investors, LLC.
2: So look, eventually we find uh, the next clue. But this is when we come to a key point in the evening. Uh, We have our next clue. Well, sorry, we have our next puzzle, which will lead to the next clue. But we also have this invitation to go to a secret party at a secret location. So what our team ends up doing is we split up. The main portion of the group goes off to pursue the next clue, and I go off to this uh, special party with two of the members of my team, Laura and Natasha. Natasha was the one you just heard in that clip.
0: Okay, so what was the hardest puzzle you had to do?
2: Okay, I could choose any number of things, Joe, but I have to say the one that we got once we got to this secret party. The secret party was being held on a boat. Um, now we're
1: leaving the pier, we do have to just go for a very quick and short safety announcement. It's not to alarm you, just to uh, familiarise you all with a vessel you're travelling. Just to let you know, this boat is... A quick-
2: There's this weird society doing a secret ceremony while we sort of sailed down the River Thames to the next location, and... Um, As part of this activity, you get given a map of London, of a particular part of London, and a sheet, a leather sheet that had these little holes kind of cut into it. And eventually you had to figure out that the leather sheet was a constellation pattern that gave you the name of a constellation that gave you a hint to the next clue. And the hint to the next clue was a location on the map And it actually led to three different locations in London. So we had to go to these three different locations. And then once we were there, we had to crack particular codes that were insanely difficult. And I think even now I'm going to struggle to explain them to you.
0: It's funny because everything you've explained so far, and this is you explaining it after the fact, has like made my brain hurt. So the thought of having to do any of these puzzles in real time, I just can't even imagine.
2: (sighs) Yeah. Okay. So let me give you, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. So we're wandering around the south of London. And you know, by this time, it's about midnight, it's pitch dark, the pubs are closing, everyone except us is really drunk. Um, and we're finding these little shrines that the organizers of the event have built in these parks. And there are these mysterious guys standing in the parks next to the shrines. And when you look at the shrines, there are these little pyramids, and they light up with lights, with these little dotted lights. And based on those dotted lights, you have to figure out what the lights are trying to tell you. And each shrine has a different name. So for instance, um, there's one called the Shrine of Time. And eventually, if you think about it hard enough, you will figure out, although we didn't, uh, you will figure out that the Shrine of Time is a hint uh, for a binary clock. This is what we thought anyway. And the code is spelled out binary letters, basically, um, or binary numbers. And eventually, if you figure out what those binary numbers are, you can get a special code word that will lead you to the next location.
0: These puzzles... I, it just seems laughably hard, but I guess it speaks to how... Uh, I mean, you guys figured them out, right? Like That's the thing that blows my mind, is that you guys did work this stuff out.
2: So I have to say, there is something called game control, which gives you hints. So throughout uh, the entire evening, you're talking to someone on a Slack chat, the organizers, and they will give you timed hints. So you're never, you're never going to get a hint before everyone else does. Um, but those hints basically help you throughout the evening but i know the puzzles are really hard so let me see if i can give you maybe a more simple example um you know (laughs) after we figured out the pyramids uh puzzles we went on to borough market have you ever been there joe uh i think
0: so or maybe the last time we were in london together you told me to go and i didn't but it's pretty great right big food market
2: yeah it's probably my favorite place in London, just because I like to eat. But anyway, at that time of night, it's completely empty, except for these two apple sellers. These two guys are standing there with these big uh, carts full of apples, and they're talking about how we have to order the correct apple from them. This
0: apple is not the
2: variety that you see here. It is a variety, but it is not... These varieties here. It does... It is. Uh, no, that was so good I know, I know. Like what do you mean by that? Uh,
0: it, it is not a, a traditional variety. It is a an
1: offspring apple. It is a new not, it's variety. It's not these ones here. Yeah, yeah. And it's not
0: those ones there. It's not any of those there. It's not those ones it's there. Not those not there. Those ones it's there. not any of those... Not one of those yeah. ones there. Can I just say, like, I feel the, the, uh, the English accent definitely makes that even more theatrical and uh it it already sounds pretty great but it's definitely great in the english accent i have to
2: say yeah we had some good accents in the evening um so you know the clues are all there you've got these two apple sellers they're standing in front of a bunch of different types of apples and they keep saying of spring right why are they repeating of spring So, I'll tell you how it worked. Um, Eventually, you had to look at all the different types of apples these guys had, and you had to work out which of those apples were of spring. In other words, which of those apples were available during the spring. And then, if you figured out the cross of those apples, you would get the name of the variety that you needed to order, in order to get the next clue and the next ingredient to the cure for baldness. So in this particular example, the spring apples were Cox, Orange, and Golden Delicious. And the offspring of those three apples, the cross, is something called a Rubinet apple, which I have never heard of before.
0: I know this is not really related to the episode that much, but I've heard there's some great apple varieties in... The UK that we don't get here. And so now, like the Orange Apple, I don't think is one that we have in the U.S., but I've heard it's really delicious. OK, keep going. Sorry. OK,
2: well, I'll, I'll go to Burma. I know that's not exactly
0: relevant, but it was on my mind.
2: <laughs> all right. So after this, uh, you know, we split up again. Uh, some of us found the location of an underground rave, and we went there. At, at that point, it's almost dawn, and you can hear all these birds singing, But we're still trying to get the missing ingredients to this cure for baldness. We have a couple at this point, uh, but we're missing one. We're trying to track down one in particular, something called chlorophyll. So eventually we're at this club and, you know, we solve a bunch of puzzles once again, and we get the chlorophyll, Uh, we find ourselves an Uber, and we call this number that we had figured out earlier in the evening, and then we hear this message.
0: right
2: Right. So this was the very last thing we needed, Joe. It was something called Newton's flask. And once we had Newton's flask, we could put all the different ingredients for the cure for baldness inside of it make the cure, and then hopefully win the entire event.
0: Okay, so this this is basically it. You're almost done with the uh, scavenger hunt by this point?
2: I thought so. (laughs) Look, at this point, it's like 6 a.m., it's Uh bright outside, and we're the only ones wandering around London. We're not even wandering around London. We're actually running across it because we're trying to get to our next location which is something called the uh, Royal Institute of Technology in central London. So we head over there, get to the Royal Institute, and this is what we hear. Uh, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning. So I understand that you have been informed of the theft on the property. We have. <clears throat> uh, right, so, um, well, it was sometime between the hours of 7 and 11 p.m. last night, the flask of Sir Isaac Newton was taken. So that was a, a police officer, a fake police officer, of course, explaining that someone had stolen the final thing that we needed to complete this scavenger hunt. So we had to find <laughs> the stolen flask.
0: So, of, coor- of course, it didn't end there, because after wandering around for about nine hours, 6 a.m. in London, of course, it would be too easy for it to just wrap up there
2: quite obviously. And I have to say this was probably the low point of the evening for me because, well, I should say the low point of the morning for me because we had about 10 different puzzles all going on at the same time as we were trying to figure out who had stolen the flask and where they had actually put it. But I'm going to skip ahead a little bit because otherwise I think uh, you would probably go crazy similar to what I did. And I'm going to say that we finally got the flask. We identified the right guy, solved lots of puzzles, legged it to the next location, had all the ingredients that we had corre- collected throughout the evening, handed it over to a special chemist who put them all together. And finally, finally, we had the cure for baldness.
0: What time was this?
2: I think that would have been around 7 a.m. So at that point, we've been going for 12 hours.
0: 12 hours. That is incredible. Uh, but you're finally done at this point.
2: No, no, we weren't finished at this point. Uh, Remember, we had to deliver the cure for baldness to the president of the Royal Society, who you heard from at the very beginning of this episode. And he was in a secret location that, of course, we had to decode. And our only clue to figuring it out was a keychain that had a bunch of little um, doodads on it. So it had a cork, a plastic... uh, head of some sort, and a couple other things.
1: It's, a, it's, a, it's a, like a barracuda it's a bar, right? It's like a snake. Mm-hmm. No, it's, snake. Snake. It's, a snake.
0: it's a snake. What
2: is written behind? So a snake, a snake. A snake, right? so snake key, book,
1: stone. 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 Yeah. Snake.
2: Snake. Okay, so if you had a little plastic snake on a keychain, where do you think that would lead to in London?
0: I don't know London as well as you, so what's the answer to that? Maybe a zoo? There's a
2: place in Hyde Park called the Serpentine. It's basically a lake. Serpentine, snake, get it? Ah, uh,
0: No, I mean, yes, after you explain (laughs) it to me, but I'm pretty sure I would not have gotten it in in real time. So where are you in London at this point and how far away is Hyde Park?
2: So at this point, uh, we were close to Trafalgar Square and Hyde Park was far away, to be honest, especially after a 12 hour uh, evening and we thought for sure they weren't actually going to send us there
0: but let me guess they did
2: right so it turns out they would send us all the way to Hyde Park um and at this point you know this is the this is the finish line joe so we're all racing to get to this Hyde Park location literally running around london trying to get here go faster. Go, 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 go. and um We finally, finally arrive to Hyde Park, where our final challenge awaits us. There's always another one, right? Uh, We manage to find the president of the Royal Society. We hand him the cure for baldness. We get the certificate that we needed, but we still have to cross the actual finish line, which is close to the Serpentine Pavilion. And that is where we are met by a massive symphony orchestra.
0: So what time is this that there's a massive symphony orchestra in the middle of Hyde Park? (laughs) Because I just imagine that alone must have been quite the sight.
2: Yeah. So now it would have been around 8 a.m. and there's all these uh, joggers running around Hyde Park. And then there's us and we're running around Hyde Park for very different reasons.
0: I can only imagine the the reaction of the joggers on seeing (laughs) this huge symphony orchestra at 8 in the morning.
2: So we find the orchestra and the task that you need to complete in order to win Midnight Madness is you have to figure out how to conduct the orchestra. So you need to figure out a piece of music and then figure out what key it's in and what musical solo should accompany it. And there's this big board with all these different options on it that you basically have to match. And then once you get the correct match, you go up to the orchestra and you see if it actually uh, if it actually works.
0: Wait, did you actually get to conduct an orchestra?
2: No, I'm uh, the least musical person ever. Uh, so it wasn't me. But um, take a listen to what happened when our representative from our team actually got up and uh, tried her hand at conducting, sounds great. It wasn't the right uh, solution, Joe. So, clearly, we got it wrong the first time, but we got it right uh, the second time.
1: <laughs>
2: and that was the finish line for Midnight Madness. And I think we, uh, we ended up finishing around 8 or 9 in the morning. Crossed the finish line, lots of cheering, uh, lots of happy faces... We were pretty exhausted at that point, Joe.
0: I have no doubt that you're exhausted because I'm not going to lie. I am exhausted. I have secondhand exhaustion right now from hearing you describe that whole thing. By the way, we didn't even talk about this. How many teams were there competing and how did your team do?
2: Ah, good question. So I think all in all, there were probably about 15 teams. Uh, Most of those were coming from Goldman, uh, also had a couple teams, I believe, from GAM. And then we had one very special team. It was a crack team of university professors from places like Oxford and Cambridge. They weren't actually allowed to win. They were supposed to be a baseline against which you could judge your time. Uh, Now, you asked me where we placed. So if you yeah, this is the big the big thing, right? Um. If you strip out the university professors, we came in second, which was pretty amazing, that I is. have to say. And we, we were actually the number one team from Goldman. And remember, there were about eight different Goldman teams. So being the first Goldman team is pretty much all that matters, right? Right, of course. So there's one thing I found out about our team after we actually finished Midnight Madness, and it was a pretty special thing. Remember, there were eight different Goldman teams, and most of those teams, in fact, I think all of them except ours, had put themselves together. You know, they knew each other. A lot of them were senior guys that came from a strats background or a quantitative background, and they put themselves together as a crack team. Our team was actually comprised of people at Goldman who didn't know each other. They were just volunteers who had put their hand up, and most of the people on our team were... Pretty young, pretty junior at Goldman you know we had um, one woman who was basically straight out of university uh, lots of women who were in their mid20s I would say uh, whereas a lot of the other teams were much more senior than we were and we beat them
0: That's pretty cool actually all those genius quant people huh they're not like maybe they can do math and find correlations between uh, <laughs> between two different asset classes better than uh, the rest of us can. But when it comes to puzzle solving, you're saying they're no better?
2: Well, I think we had good strategy on the evening. I think we uh, we did a really good job by bringing the scooters, which gave us a little bit of an edge when it came to running around London. But we were also very good about organizing ourselves because we split up very early on in the evening, which meant that we could solve multiple problems, multiple puzzles all at once. So that that was probably our secret rather than any sort of quantitative edge, I have to say.
0: So all that is allowed? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's clever. Well, A, congratulations. B, are you going to do it again next year? And C, can I come and join you?
2: A, thank you. B, absolutely. And C, yes, we should have an Odd Lots team for sure. I think you'd really enjoy it.
0: Okay, I'm in.
2: And I think it speaks to one of the big themes that we always discuss on Odd Lots, which is some of the similarities between games and finance and trading, right, Joe?
0: Absolutely. No, I uh, as difficult and brain bending as this sounds. And like I said, I it was almost painful to hear the clues even after you explained the menu, the answer. I'm now so determined to uh, do this next year.
2: All right. You have to come next year. And uh, I I should just remind everyone, you know, this is a really fun experience. But ultimately, it's done in the name of charity and uh, my team, the SEC Bombs. We are still in fundraising mode. So, you know, if you like charity and if you like Odd Lots, then you can head over to raiseyourhands.org.uk forward slash fundraisers forward slash SECBOMBS. And you can contribute to the money that we were raising in the name of uh, Midnight Madness.
0: That's awesome. And Tracy, congratulations.
2: Thanks, Joe. All right. Well, this has been another episode of the Odd Lots podcast. One of the more exhausting episodes, I would say. I'm Tracy Alloway. You can follow me on Twitter at Tracy Alloway.
0: And I'm Joe Weisenthal. You can follow me on Twitter at The Stalwart. And you should follow our producer, Topher Forges, at Forges Tea, as well as the Bloomberg head of podcast, Francesca Levy, at Francesca Today. Thanks for listening.